Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Lecture 21, John 8, 1 through 11, The Gospel Creates a Great Area. Come to you right now and we thank you for just allowing us to live in you one more time. God, you're greater to us than we are to ourselves, and you constantly forgive us even though we are not worthy of such forgiveness. God, thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Let me explain that one more time. So we're going to be, I'm going to teach for about 30 minutes, and then after that we're going to immediately go into church. As a matter of fact, I probably won't, uh, maybe, we'll immediately go into church. So we may open up with prayer, um, the devotional type prayer, and we're going to immediately go up into church and we'll end about 11.45. You guys can go and do your meeting things or whatever it is that you have to do, or you're welcome to stay. But by that time, the members of this church will be walking in and we'll conduct their service. I'm uh, pastor's out of town, so he's asked me to conduct uh, the service here today. I will be to church on time, and I will invite uh, Spiritual Truth to our church um, to hear the, um, the, the 12 weeks worth, or at least one week worth of the financial series. We're in John chapter 8 today. 
John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And here's what I'm going to do. We're going to, and I'm going to, since I, since I'm pulling a little double duty, um, what I'm going to do is for continuity sakes, if you're staying for the preaching right after this, I'm actually going to preach John chapter 8, verse 12. I'm going to teach John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11 in our series that we've been doing for the last 19 weeks or so. What if? Just a brief explanation like I've done every single week for the uh, listening audience and also for you in front of me. And then when this is available for download and digital copies and all that stuff as well, you get an intro every week. <coughs> what if? What would be the message of the New Testament if it only contained Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Now, I've made this entire series highly scholastical, right? I made it extremely way up there. On purpose, uh, which, yeah, scholastic is not a word. That's why I made that face, right? <laughs> it's not a word. <laughs> I made that face, but you know what? We made the word work. We made it work. We made it work. So <laughs> the irony of that, I'm saying how, how high this, the, the class has been, and my diction was totally inaccurate. But <clears throat> either way, understand that we've made it super up there on purpose because you guys can handle it. And it's meant to explain to you what I wish the rest of the church world would know, that God has a gospel and is not the gospel in which we have been preaching. This is important <clears throat> because we've been preaching a secluded gospel in which, in which, which, which great respect the gospel is secluded. It's for those who accept. But before it is for those who accept, God made it available to everyone, if that makes sense. We, we all have the opportunity to be saved. We all receive God's grace, whether we're in his uh, safety or not. Whether you believe that Christ rose for your sins, whether you believe that Christ died for your sins, whether you believe that Christ is actually who he is and a real person, God still gives grace. This is important. This is very important. Whether, whether you are in a tree and you, you don't know anything about the Lord or whether you know him and you've cussed him smooth out, God still gives everyone grace. That is at the heart of the gospel, not the totality of the gospel, but at the heart of the gospel. God has done some things for a mighty long time. Jesus is the fulfillment of a lot of those things and then the continuation of the things to come, if that makes sense. But we'll, 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 we've already been explaining that for 19, 20 weeks. We've done John. John is so, and here's the truth. The reason I said it's so Scholastic, okay. Reason I, <laughs> the reason it's so scholastic, okay. That, that's the actual word. The reason it's so because I've been keeping the way up there. In truth, I still have to kind of dial it back just a little bit because I'm actually doing a disservice to the Gospel of John by only picking five scriptures in which I'm telling you the gospel. The truth is, God, John's gospel and all these guys are um, so powerful <clears throat> that I can just stay 16 weeks in each gospel, especially. The fourth gospel is what I would like to call it, or the gospel of John. Especially that. John's gospel is so unique, so powerful. We can literally be here for 16-week semester and have a final exam and still barely scratch the surface. So, John chapter 8. <clears throat> Very familiar passage. I'll be reading from King James Bible because I actually left my Bible. But this is actually something I would have read in King James anyway. Because it's a very uh, familiar passage. Very familiar scripture. We all know it. The, the, the adulterous lady, the lady who was sinning, and they drug her out so she could be stoned to death. Does that make sense? Okay. 
So let me read real quick. <clears throat> well, let me, let me summarize real quick, and then I'll read. Here's what happens in John chapter 8. Now, most scholars will tell you, I even know some preachers who won't preach John chapter 8, because it's not in the original manuscripts, at least the, not, it's not in the earliest manuscripts that we have. It's, it's almost like someone added it, uh, and then we copied that in the second century or, or third century, and then it stayed a part of what we call the canon of the Bible today. So it's not in the very earliest manuscripts. If you have a Bible, you'll see it. <clears throat> if you got one of those Bibles, they give you subtitles and stuff. It had a little asterisk, and if you look at the bottom, it says not in the earliest manuscript. Since I know some preachers who don't preach this here, and God bless them, I, there's no problem. I get it. <clears throat> there's nothing wrong with that because it's not in the earliest manuscript, so they, you know, they, they, they don't think it's, it's uh, and that's, that's fine. And I'm telling you this here because, it's, again, it's, it's way up there. I want you to know that. However, I enjoy teaching John chapter 8 because, for me, it is the very heart of what the gospel is. It, it may be a story that has been added in. Um, through oral tradition, and, and, and don't knock oral tradition. tradition. As, as a matter of fact, you, you guys go ahead and open your mouth and say it with me. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food, right? You see, see how accurate that is? We all know that oral tradition. Does that make sense? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord. My soul. It's been passed down for generation to generation. It's, it's, you understand? So oral tradition is powerful. Don't knock it because a lot of the stuff that's recorded in the Bible was from oral tradition, but we all know these oral traditions, etc., etc. Here's what's happening in John chapter 8. I'm going to read it, but I want you to give an overview of some stuff that you may miss. First off, a lady is caught in the act of adultery, but she's the only one put on trial. That, that's number one. That's, that's number one. In order to be caught in the act of something, you need a partner. Does that make sense? If, if you're going to be caught in the act of adultery, that means somebody was also doing the acting, okay, right? I know that's maybe a little too real for Sunday school, but if she got caught, where was the man? But the man <coughs> was never confronted, or according to the text, or at least he's excluded, and most certainly, you can draw from the text, it's not the man being on trial to be stoned to death, it's the woman. It says a lot. And the text actually tells you the Pharisees wanted to trip Jesus up. And but why? And why is, why is this so important? So let me get a little, little bit more of this background. Here you have Jesus. Here you have this adulterous woman. Here she is on trial. Why is she on trial? So that brings me to what, we want, what I want to talk about today. The gospel creates gray area. That's what I want to talk about today. We've been talking about each, each lesson we've had has been a title upon it, you know, specifying what the gospel is. Today, the gospel creates a gray area. This is the wonderful part of God. If the law was black <coughs> and grace or if, if what we are is just you know, black and white, right? If what we are black and if what God is is so pure, it's, it's white. We couldn't reach the purity, the white, and we live in the black. I'm telling you, the gospel created some gray, Okay. The gospel helped us. Since we couldn't reach, then the reach came to us. Lord have mercy, it's a little too quiet. You understand what I'm saying? But it, it, since we couldn't get there, there came to us. Since we lived here, we got elevated a little bit past the filth that we were in due to the gospel. And so Jesus Christ 
God used Jesus Christ, who's the same person, God, God the Father, God the Son, all the same person. We'll cover that in another study. To use his death and his obedience to create some grace to do some work. Now, let, let's see how this works out. I, I'll explain this here and we'll, we'll, we'll be done. The reason why, well, let's, let's read the text now. Let's, let's read the text now. John chapter 8, verse uh, 2. Let's start at verse 2. And, and early in the morning, he came up to the temple and all the people came up to him and they sat down and taught them. And the Pharisees and the scribes, excuse me, the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst as in the crowd, they said to him, Master, this woman, <clears throat> this woman is taken into adultery in the very act. Where's the man? Right. There's no man there. But. She's taken in the very act. Now, Moses said, watch it, in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? Now, here's what they're saying. Listen, master, now, first off, they're being facetious because they don't like Jesus Christ. The Pharisees have a problem. This is in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. They have a problem with Jesus and his teachings and that people are following him and thinking that he's a Messiah. And then they call him a proper name to show respect because they're being disrespectful. I need you to catch that. Sometimes when church folk don't like you, amen, they'll respect you being nice nasty is what my grandmother used to call it. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, right? God bless you, which means I really hope that you die today because I really, amen. <laughs> so that's how, that's what's happening there. Now I'm saying all that and we're joking about I want you to get the content. I mean, I want you to get the, the context and I want you to feel this tension and I want you to feel this area. So what they say, listen, according to the law of Moses, she should die. Now, how can you be the Messiah? How, well, let, let, let's read before I say that. Okay, verse 6. <coughs> and, the, and first of they asked him, what sayest thou? That's in verse 5. Verse 6. This they said, tempting him, they said, they might have accused him, but Jesus stooped down with his finger, wrote on the ground, as he heard them not. Now, don't let the King James uh, confuse a little bit. Basically, what they're saying is they are purposely trying to trick Jesus. And what happens is Jesus understands they're trying to trick him. He just writes it to the ground. Now, what he writes, it's not enough for me to discuss because the text doesn't say it. I've, I've heard, in fact, the pastor of this church said he wrote the law and things, and I'm not, not arguing against that, but it's just, it's not the kind of preacher I am. I only preach what's here, right? And it's, it doesn't necessarily say, and it doesn't even matter for what I'm trying to prove here today. Here's what I need you to know. The end of the story goes, <coughs> woman, where are your accusers? I don't see no more left. And Jesus says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. That, that's what happens at the end. Now, the question that gets to that point is, ye who has no sin, cast the first stone. Oh, very familiar passage. You don't even have to be in the church to know this particular story because it's been in cartoons since we was kids. All, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, Here's what I need you to catch. Here we have it. So now remember the thesis of the day or the title of the day is the gospel creates gray area. The law of Moses said that if you get caught in adultery, that means that means she's married or he was married. One or the other. OK, one or the other. They're, they're not just having premarital sex. Somebody in this equation is wrong. And according to the law that you had to be stoned in front of the community by the community and killed for your, your, your sin in this particular case. Now, what happens here 
is Jesus Christ recognizes that they're telling him, now, you said, Master, right, that's what they call him, that you are the Messiah. Now, when you when, see, understand, <clears throat> it's equivalent to you calling me pastor, but, but no, no, we got to go higher than this. It's equivalent to you saying I'm the Pope, okay? Like, I'm, I'm over all the Catholics. Like, I'm over all, I'm the head of the entire Christian faith. I'm the Pope. And they're going, Master, okay? Now, if you are the head, you should do what the Bible says. Does that make sense? Okay, so, so here's what happened. So they say to him, Master, now Moses said, because all they lived by was the law. And the law, by this time, the Old Testament, as you know, it was closed, canonized. It was solid. They had been praising it and preaching it and worshiping it and reading from it. <laughs> they had been doing all these things. They had all these scriptures and everybody knew the law. So he, Jesus knew that she was supposed to be stoned. This is a fact. This was written. And the mere fact that he wouldn't do it proves that he's not the master, that he's not the savior, that he's not the Messiah, and he's a liar. He should be stoned, not her. Or they should be stoned together. Does that make sense? We, we, we're trying to trick you. If you are who you say you are, you're going to follow this word. Does that make sense? If you're truly the one who will not sin, if you're truly the one who has no sins, if you're truly the one who is the master, who is our teacher, who is our example, then you're going to follow everything in this Bible. Please let me pause right there and let you know, just because I can't help it because <coughs> I'm a pastor. We act like that today. I wish I had somebody. We, we, we love this Bible so much that we don't even care about the content and the character of Christ's heart. We, oh, Lord have mercy. We, we love what this Bible say, but we don't want to act like what Christ say we should. You understand what I'm saying? Which is also in the Bible. <clears throat> and so what's happening, Jesus Christ understands that if he stones this lady, then he's not the grace that John said. When I, when I said this last week, grace upon grace, when I talked about the wedding, um, I forgot who was it. When I talked about the wedding, he's the grace that was on top of that grace. So Jesus is, is in a conundrum. He can't stone this lady. He can, because the law tells him he should. But then if he does, he defeats the purpose of why he came. Does that make sense? If, if, if he gives the lady what she deserves, he's right, but then he ceases to be Christ. Okay, you see where I'm going? If, if, he, if he gives the lady what she deserves, he's right, but then he's not as graceful as what he's been preaching. If he gives grace, then he's a liar. He doesn't follow the Bible. Because he's not listening to the law of Moses, which the Lord himself spoke through Moses, spoke to Moses, and told Moses, write this down. So if he gives grace, he's defying God. If he follows God, he's, de he's not honoring man whatsoever. He he's, not, he's not helping the world. He's not the light of the world, which is what we're going to preach in a little bit. He's <clears throat> if he stones her, he's not the light of the world. If he be the light of the world... He's not the person following the gospel, following the, uh, the, the, the law. So he's stuck, but you can't stick Jesus. Lord have mercy. <laughs> he, he will be trapped in a spot, <laughs> but God wouldn't surprise by this particular instance or this circumstance because just because we wouldn't know what to do, our Lord knew what to do. Here's what happens. He says nothing and then he writes down. And forget that part. Look, that We can argue about that later. I'm not even concerned 
about what he writes. Here's what I want you to know next. The lady looks at him. Everybody's looking at him. They wait on him to respond. Respond. And instead of Jesus saying, well, do this or do that, Jesus said, well, tell you what. If you've never sinned, you cast the first stone. And of course, all of them had no opportunity to sin. Two things that I want to bring to your attention. One, that's the most massive amount of gray area that you can get in this particular situation. The lady was too, too, too black, and I don't mean nationality, I mean the, you know, the, the metaphor, the metaphorical, the, the, the color that symbolizes um, the opposite of white or purity, right? He's, he's too, she's too much in the black. She's too unworthy to be saved. She's certainly not pure or white, um, and again, not nationality, but with the symbology of what the word means. Um, or what the word symbolizes. She's certainly not pure. So what Jesus has to do is hold the two together and be the grave so he can save this lady's life. And this is important. This is important because she is separated from God because she's in the act of adultery. She is completely worthy of the hell she deserves because she's in the act of adultery. Yet, through Jesus... The lady is saved because he's holding the two together. He's holding the filth of man and the purity of God together in him that allows for this gray to be uh, invented or, or, or contracted. Now, let's think about this. Here. When you put white and black together, you get gray. So when you text me today, uh, for those of you <coughs> in, the, in the recording that will be listening later, one of my members texted me today and said, Pastor, I'll be, I'll be late. <clears throat> I'll be late. And so, and I didn't get my usual response. I didn't say nothing. She said, but somebody just asked me. I was on my way. Somebody asked me for a ride, you know, for a ride. And, and what was my response? You got to say it now because we're recording, so you got to say it. Okay. If they miss in church, give them a word, right? Give them, give them, because, right? You get what I'm saying? Because the deal was, see, the, the the, the law or, or what we preach says, how dare you give them a ride? They're not going to church. OK, you give them a ride. Good job. But they're going to hell because they're not in church on a Sunday. You know what I'm saying? So that's but you probably had. God forgive me for saying this. You probably had more church in that car than some churches will have this Sunday morning because they've lost their way. You understand what I'm saying? And of course, you said that he gave some money for your child, right? She, like, I don't know what she said, but the end result was, oh, little man, that's good, man. Here's some money for church. Okay? So he's not on his way to church, but what he did was die in himself and say, I can't go, but I can bless you when you go. Somebody is too clearly needs to hear what I'm saying, right? You understand know what I'm saying? This is the gray area. This is this is the gray area in which I'm preaching about that Jesus Christ created for us to where, yes, you need to be on your knees and pray, but he created some gray area that you can pray even in your heart. I'm trying to help somebody. Amen. But what if you're paralyzed? You can't get on your knees and pray, but you can lay right there on your back paralyzed. Lord, get me out of this situation. And so, <clears throat> so today, you're a perfect example of what happened because Jesus Christ created this gray area 
for you to give the word, for him to give money, and for your son, I'm going to say his name because it's recording, right? Because I'm going to be looking you up. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for your son to see an example of what Jesus Christ was, and all of that happened in a vehicle. That's wonderful, great. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's not, not just in the synagogue. Or in our case, in modern day, not just in the church. You do understand that there are churches that will tell you that if you ain't here, you're going to hell. Amen. Amen. Now, now, I'm not telling you the church is not the way to salvation because the church is. In fact, the Catholic church, <coughs> which, which, which I love, I have no, I'm, even though I'm Protestant, I'm, I'm, since, I'm, um, um, since I've had the opportunity by the Lord to be educated in his word through some college education and, and, and upper grad college education, I know some stuff, so I don't. I know what the Catholics believe and why they believe, and I also know that they're Christian, just like we're Christian, right? And so here's the deal: for them, the church is so holy, and I wish more Protestants would do this. I wish, I wish we would respect our churches enough to know that the church and the tradition is so holy that if you leave the church, you've left God, and that's powerful. I'm not saying you have to agree with that, but for Catholics, salvation is through the church. Because God loves the church, he established it. If you leave it, then you leave in God. For Protestants, we'll leave a church. Pastor made me sick. I'm gone. Amen. You, just, amen. you don't see Catholic folk jumping from church to church. You understand what I'm saying? Because they have, now I'm not saying either side is right, but what I am saying, respect both sides because there are, there are reasons. It's good to have the freedom to go uh, as a Protestant back and forth. It's also good to respect the fact that even if you disagree with your pastor's teaching or whatever, your pastor, whatever, you're still going to stay in this church because you're not trying to leave the church. Both of these are good. And what I'm trying to convince you is that Jesus, God, understood that we have these two, so he created a gray area so both of us can be saved. I wish I had somebody. Amen? Right. <clears throat> it's a gray there that we can all be saved, whether you're Protestant, whether you're Catholic, because God knew that we was going to mess this thing up and create denominations when there was never no denominations. If you don't know world history, denominations did not happen until 1521 A.D. That means from about 32 to 34 A.D. there was one Catholic church, little c, which means universal is what the word Catholics mean. <coughs> and it wasn't 66 books in the Bible. It was once the canon was closed. It was 66 books in the Bible, plus what you call the doodle canonicals, the second word. They had more books in the Bible, and so we kicked them out when Martin Luther kicked them out because he said, well, these are superfluous. We don't need these. We'll put these. So we worship our 66 book in the Bible not even knowing that until 1521, it was like 80 or 90 of them in the Bible, right? So here's the deal. The point is, God wasn't surprised by none of that. And he knew every last one of us was going to take his word, mess it up, and he created a gray area so he can clean it up. I'm trying to help somebody. Does that make sense? He knew this lady was going to commit adultery, and he knew that those men wouldn't go put the other man in trouble. Does that make sense? He knew that they was going to try to kill her but not kill him because according to the law, both of them should have been stoned. And what Jesus does is creates this gray and says, I'll deal with both sides, and I'll give an opportunity for both sides to be saved. Does that make sense? The gospel isn't just something in which we say, shut up and be quiet. Be, just, just do this and do that. It's, baby, I understand that you're going through something. God has a way. Baby, I understand that you don't love God at all. God still has a way. You understand what I'm saying? 
that, that, that whether you have the mental capacity to say, yes, I believe in the Lord, or you were born with some mental disease or uh, extra chromosome, which would make you Down syndrome, or, or you don't have the mental capacity to confess or talk, cerebral palsy, or any of these things, God still says that person can be saved too. You understand what I'm saying? That, that, that if, you, if you can walk, talk, and jump, and laugh, and preach, you can be saved. If you can't do any of these things and have no mental capacity whatsoever to even cognitive, cognitively can produce a thought that you don't think we can, that nobody can hear, but you got your own thoughts in here, but you can't communicate them, God still says you're going to be saved too. You understand what I'm saying? That now, I'm, I'm not arguing that everybody's going to heaven. That's universalism. I'm way too conservative for that. What I am saying <coughs> is that God has not been surprised. And what God did was, okay, if it's black and if it's white, I'm going to put these two together and all of you will be saved through the grave or more biblically, all of you are saved through Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm arguing, that Jesus is the gray area. And since he is the gray area, because we don't need to be in the black, but that's what we are. We tried to get to the white and we just didn't even we just stopped trying we just we don't even we just we you, you understand like lord she done cussed me out now now i tried now um i got it from here i need forgiveness amen like we, we you understand I don't, i'm angry now i don't went i don't went black i, I can't even think I all i saw was red and i lost my mind right all these things and god still says well even though you lost your mind let me put it back in you you sin but i got some grace for you yeah, yeah, amen. You know what I'm saying? So no matter, what's, no matter what you do, God has created an opportunity for him to undo what you have done. And that's what's powerful about the gospel. <clears throat> what's powerful about the gospel is the, the Lord told Israel to do plenty. They, they failed. They failed. They didn't do it. And that's not to talk about, that's not to be anti-Semitic. Uh, that means uh, anti-Hebrew. Uh, I'm trying to, that means, so... Somatic people are Hebrews, uh, but not just Hebrews, all, all those people way back then. So I'm not being anti-Jewish is what you would say today. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the Jews killed Jesus. I'm not saying all that, that negative stuff that people like to use against the Bible. I'm simply saying that God called them and they didn't do what he called them to do. So what the Lord did was continue to move his gospel, his covenants and his words and then sent another Semitic man, Jesus Christ, who was also God, sent him to fulfill everything that they were supposed to do. And because of that happened, God's plans included every last one of our mistakes. That is powerful. No matter, and here's my second point, no matter what you have done in your life, every last one of your mistakes can still be included in God's plan for you. That's powerful. It, it, it doesn't, if you make the bad decision, if you make the wrong decision, God still has a plan for you and all of your plans can all of your mistakes can still be included in his plans not because you're worthy but because he created a gray area let me give you a biblical example of this here there's plenty of them i'll just give you one very popular example that most people don't know <coughs> solomon was the wisest man king solomon was the wisest man on planet earth according to the bible he just was Right? Nobody came before him. Nobody came after him. It's wise than him. Solomon slept with Bathsheba. Was Bathsheba his wife? Anybody? No. Bathsheba was not his wife. 
Bathsheba was some lady taking a bath on the roof. He saw her. He wanted her. He got her. And for that, the Lord took away their first child. <coughs> and David, I said Solomon. Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, David. I'm, well, I'm talking about Solomon. But the Lord took away David's first child. And what happened was David saw Bathsheba. That's what I meant to say, not Solomon. David, but I'm about to get to Solomon. David saw Bathsheba, looked at it, saw it, and said, yeah, got that. And the Lord took their first child away. The Bible, if you keep reading, they have a second child. They have a third child. And the fourth child becomes Solomon. So <clears throat> not only was the nation of Israel blessed with one of the greatest kings to ever live, not only was Solomon blessed in his life, but he was blessed through an unholy matrimony that should have never happened. Does that make sense? See, David didn't leave Bathsheba. He stayed with her. They got married. And then through this sin, became the greatest man and the wisest man that ever be born. That's liberating. That's no matter what you, no matter what mistakes you've made as a parent, God can still bless your child. <laughs> that made me feel good. I don't know if that made y'all feel good, but that made me feel real good. Doesn't matter what you did. Doesn't matter what they did. God's plans can include your mistakes. This text ends quite powerfully and abruptly. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, here's the powerful part about that. Jesus didn't say, sin, stop sinning, and then go. That's what the church says today. We got it backwards. We want you to come in here, believe and stop right now. And after you believe and stop, then you belong to us. We'll work you out somewhere, put you in a choir, do whatever. Jesus says, listen, I know you just sinned, but go and then sin no more. I get that you are guilty right now. As a matter of fact, you should have been stoned. I'm the only person here who could actually stone you, but go and then your behavior will change. Somebody missing what I'm saying. Jesus didn't say stop. Jesus didn't give no lecture, didn't give no sermon. Jesus said, because I showed you my love, go. And as you go in me, your behavior will change. And that's your opportunity and that's your challenge this week. To understand that God has created a great area for you to move within him. And don't despise or don't miss your opportunities to give people rides that makes you late for church. Because you were not late for church. You had real church. It just didn't have to be here. Does that make sense? So for me, and which we do, to get upset with you because I had to wait or I had to something, I'm forgetting the fact that Jesus died so you can give that man a ride or a woman, right? So you can do that so he can have the opportunity to give the blessing that he gave. Because we don't know what that seed that he just sowed is going to do. Maybe he's talking about it right now at work or wherever he's at. Because that's exactly the church that God wanted him to have. Do not pass up the gray area on your way to what we call the white area, which is this church. Jesus Christ literally created the gray so we can work in the gray. Because the truth is, everybody in here, including your pastor, me, preaching and talking right now is just as dirty as everybody in here. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you 
for giving us what we need and for blessing us and for holding us true and keeping us in your word and giving us opportunity after opportunity to bless you and praise your name. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. When the pandemic began, I had the biggest problem in the world, not making money. The pandemic was actually quite a blessing for me as it almost made me a billionaire. I came really close. So the pandemic was a blessing. It was hiring people. And get this, everybody. I had 48 job positions open during the pandemic. $22 an hour with paid training. And I could not find a single person for two years to fit any of those 48 job positions. Hear me well. 48 job positions. $22 an hour. Paid training. And I couldn't find someone, not one person, for those job positions. Now, is it because I hire slowly? True. But it's because I wasn't using ZipRecruiter. And that's a fact. I wasn't getting to the right people for the right position to fit my right culture. And there are so many different things that you can do this summer. As a matter of fact, you can free up as much time as you want to. But if you're not using ZipRecruiter, you're probably not going to free up that time if you're attempting to hire people. So what is ZipRecruiter? What is probably the greatest job finder that's out there? And that's why you need ZipRecruiter. You need it so you can find the right candidates. Now, it's not that ZipRecruiter helps you find jobs. It's more accurately that ZipRecruiter takes your culture, takes your job, takes what you're looking for, and immediately matches them with the perfect candidate. And if the if it's if they can't find a perfect candidate, they will skip over that person and then give you the perfect candidate for you. ZipRecruiter uses one of its most powerful tools, which is the technology itself, to match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review uh, their recommendations and easily review their recommended candidates and invite these candidates to apply for your top positions. Additionally, ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy for you to filter out uh, review and rate candidates. Four out of five employees uh, have been used by four out of five employers on ZipRecruiter. It is a blessing. And no wonder ZipRecruiter is rated number one hiring site in the world based on G2 satisfaction ratings as of this year, January 1st. My friends, soak up everything I said. It's not an ad. This is a personal testimony of how I found the right people to sit in the right seat on the right bus. Without ZipRecruiter, it wouldn't have been possible. So how do you take advantage of what I'm talking about? Well, you go to ZipRecruiter.com 
slash B2B. All spelled the regular way. That's Zip, Z-I-P, Recruiter, Aura, E-C, Aura, U-I-T-E-R, ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. And I promise you, you will be grateful that you did so. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash B2B. It's also in the show notes.